everybody, and welcome to a compassionate Wild Ride with Steve-O. This week, we're talking to Shane Dawson, who clearly has made some serious mistakes. And while we were on the way to meet Shane Dawson, we watched a video about all of the mistakes he's made. And a lot of it was news to us. By the time we got to him, we thought, wow, uh, we wonder if this is even a good idea. But we decided to press forward with an open mind and a heart of compassion. And I got to say that we are glad we did that. Um, it is what it is. And it is certainly extremely interesting. And I dare say extremely compassionate. So with that said, let's get into it. You ready? ready? Yes, sir. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Shane Dawson. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so we met once before when we did your podcast for full screen. And that was a long time ago, huh? That was, how many cancellations ago was that? I think that was <laughs> four, four and a half. There was a half there. Man. That we, was, yeah. We watched uh, a video that, that kind of chronicled all of the cancellations. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, are, are we going to show up on some sort of list having you on? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was interesting was that like, it was, uh, you know, they said that in, in some cases people will like, uh, you know, build careers, become famous and then do something like super uh, offensive to people. But in this case of Shane Dawson, he, uh, that is not what happened. That, that, like, Shane Dawson was super offensive the whole time. Is actually, like, what he became famous for, kind of. So then it's like, uh, it's just an, an interesting dynamic where, uh, you know, you were just a wild, outrageously offensive guy and everything was great until people just got upset about it after the fact. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a lot. I mean, listen, like I, I'm not one of those people that's mad that I got canceled. I mean, maybe in the beginning I was, you know, yeah. Cause I, it, those videos were from a long time ago and a lot of this stuff was from a long time ago and I hadn't done anything like that in years, but I mean, I'm also kind of glad it all happened because it made me face a lot of things. And realize, uh, yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, what has been, um, what's been going on recently? I, I you remember maybe when, when we got together, our, like all those years ago, I, uh, I think I called up my niece on the phone or, or maybe we made a video and sent it to my niece. But my niece was just such a rabid Shane Dawson fan. And I texted her yesterday. I said, I said, are you still like a, a fan oh, of Shane Dawson? She, she said, yeah. Like, uh, I said, oh, because we're going to record a podcast with him tomorrow. And she goes, WTF. Oh, my God. That's great. <laughs> and uh, she said, from what I gather, he's doing very well since uh, he got in trouble with the popular media. <laughs> popular media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she, like her take on it seems to be that. 
that uh that your the the your cancellation so to speak was with like the mainstream media and that you know under you know in in kind of your world sort of under that radar that everything's cool yeah i mean i i think it was like when i started doing youtube the people that were watching were you know I think the the types of people that were watching my stuff changed in like 2018, 2019. And I started doing things about makeup. And I think it opened up to, and not to make excuses, but I think I started doing YouTube videos for kind of like fucked up, weird, outcast people. And then the more mainstream YouTube got and the more I was doing documentaries on like, or documentaries, people don't like me when I call them that, but I was doing videos about people that were more mainstream. So it was a lot of like, yeah. And then they were really surprised by all the old videos, obviously. So, yeah. I mean, sorry. I'm so I don't talk about this stuff really except for like therapy. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to like not go into like that mode. Uh, it's, it's yeah, a, that's cool. We're on it's therapy. All, yeah. It's all good. Yeah, we're, we're, we're big fans of therapy. I got a five o'clock today. Um. <laughs> so, I think, help me understand the. Uh, the, the makeup, it seems to me like kind of counterintuitive that, that, uh, do, like, do you wear makeup regularly? So, well, I did a, I did a series on, um, a YouTuber who I was really fascinated by, who I'm friends with, but at the time I wasn't really friends with them. Uh, Jeffree Star, who's like, you might, he's been around forever, MySpace days. So he had this big makeup business that I didn't understand at all. And I did a kind of a series with him on my channel and we were talking about it. And then he was like, well, why don't you do a collaboration with me with makeup? I'm like, well, I don't know anything about it. But I'm one of those people, I don't know if it's OCD or what it is, but when I have a new thing that I like want to do or whatever, I get obsessed with it. So I jumped in, I bought a bunch of fucking makeup. I learned how to do it. I got obsessed with it. When I you say learned how to do it, mm -hmm. like, uh, like how to put it on? Yeah, like I watched every fucking makeup tutorial video in history. I just watched all of them and then... Um, it was, I mean, but also, like, I don't go out in the world and wear makeup, so... It yeah, was, why do you want to do a makeup, like, yeah. YouTube if, like, uh, you weren't wearing makeup or doing makeup before that? Like, what what made you want to do the makeup? Well, I wanted to do the series, because it was, like, a world I didn't understand. It was, you know, my friend who's making hundreds of millions of dollars doing this makeup stuff, and I had never seen any of it. So, to be able to be a part of that and be in that was... I mean, crazy, but also I'm crazy. I just get so obsessed with things um, to a point where it's probably unhealthy. So I just got obsessed with it. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Jeffree Star like, is known for wearing makeup. All, he just wears makeup all the time. Um, wasn't there some like crazy, when you say like how, how many cancellations go, wasn't there something around the makeup with the Jeffree Star that, that was like a big issue? I don't remember. I feel like the you asking me or if I remember, Shane. yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, remember, what was? The, I remember. The I remember that wasn't there something about like a warehouse being robbed or something? Was that it? Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing with Jeffrey, which is why he's such a amazing person to film. Like it's always something, and that at that time that year, twenty nineteen, I would say is like the best year ever, but also was the worst year ever because every day it was like. Some shit's going down. Yeah, that day it was, oh no, I got canceled for something. And then <laughs> that same day I was supposed to propose to my then boyfriend. And then Jeffrey called me and he's like, my warehouse has been robbed. And he had all these videos and pictures of these fucking guys scaling the walls and like dropping in through the ceiling. And 
yeah, just robbing all this makeup, which at the time I didn't understand. Now I get it, but that makeup was worth so much money because it wasn't released yet. So it was kind of like getting leaked to other makeup companies so they could rip it off. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Wow. But... And he, Jeffrey lives in Wyoming, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he. And all of his businesses time. are in Wyoming too? I think so. I know he moved a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. It's crazy how much money there is in makeup. It's a lot of money, but it's also like, it's scary. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, just things I've just the actual, I mean, it's, I guess it's like Hollywood. Not that I've been, I mean, you've been in Hollywood, you get it. It's like, it's just so cutthroat and crazy and everything changes so fast. And if you're not trending anymore, if you're not this anymore, and then the up and the down and the enemies and the, it, it's like a, like the mob, like it was Crazy. In what sense, the makeup world or like uh, the uh, YouTube world? Uh, I think the YouTube world. I mean, the YouTube world is like dramatic, I guess. I mean, but it's it's lo more low stakes. I, with the makeup world, it's yeah, it's people that there was just always something going on with these big companies because like yeah, they're making so much money. It was yeah, it was a lot. I'm happy that I'm. I mean, I love Jeffrey so much. But I'm happy I'm less around all the business stuff <laughs> yeah you say that with um you know trending and not trending it's crazy to have a a career in youtube for 15 years yeah i mean that's like uh youtube is so by definition just fickle you know like there's always something new and like it's, it's pretty impressive that uh that you've endured for as long as you have <laughs> yeah 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 no i think about that a lot. i mean i'm really grateful yeah. like it's been a um it's been interesting i mean yeah i started youtube when that it wasn't like a job or anything people weren't making money from it and i just was posting these weird videos like with my grandma and stuff um but i always wanted to make stuff i just didn't know youtuber i mean it wasn't a thing so i don't know if i'm making any sense i don't know how to do this it makes perfect <laughs> like, sense didn't you have a podcast yeah but here's okay here's the problem is i haven't like i used to have a podcast where i would interview people yeah and then i stopped doing that i did that for years and then i have a podcast now where it's like me my husband my brother um our camera guy and we sit and we just like talk about random stuff and i kind of like lead the conversation and set up the like little segments you deflect the conversation away from all your shit. Yeah, because I'm, you know. I, <laughs> haven't you talked about this stuff before, though? Or just not publicly? I don't think I've talked about it, like, yeah, not really. Like, I'll touch on things in, in podcasts a little bit, but then I kind of stop because I, I don't want to. It's hard. It's hard to talk about stuff because if you talk about it, people think you're trying to be a victim. If you, if you say about certain things they think you're manipulating or you're trying to change the narrative or all this shit. So I just don't talk about anything. I mean, the fact that you're nervous about it is pretty authentic, I think. And like, it's better than having like, you know, being prepared because you could tell when you start to talk about it, you stop talking about it, which means like there's shame around it. And like the neurons are just looping back to the same spot. And I think talking about it helps kind of connect new like neural pathways to where you're not like, so you know flight or fright uh, mm -hmm. uh with it and it, it just gets easier and easier but if you're not comfortable talking about anything you know we don't have to well, talk about anything at all i think there's something to what you said too that uh you know when you say the fact that shane's nervous about it 
<clears throat> there's something authentic about that, you know, like, uh, if, if you're, if you're really comfortable, like, oh yeah, let's, let's talk about, you know, like that, I have no, no problem there. Then, um, it, it feels like, you know, there's no gravity to it. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, there's certainly trauma around it. Cause like I, I can, t when you're breathing out like that, like I'll do that in therapy and like my therapist is like, dude, your brain doesn't know the difference between like, you know, you running your rep because like when that kind of stuff happens, like you're operating off your reptilian brain. Mm. And so it's like your body doesn't know the difference, whether you're running from a dinosaur or like somebody's just asking you a question because mm. like it hasn't been processed. So, I mean, I think it's good to, to talk about it. And I, mean, I think the worst has already happened. Right. And yeah. nobody's going to find out anything. You haven't lied about anything. So like, you know, saying shit, it, I, I think is okay. But I think the fact that you are nervous about it is a good thing because it's authentic. Oh, thank you. I mean, that exactly what you said. Sorry, I've like caught mouth. Exactly what you said is what my therapist said too, which is like, yeah, I got into a place where I was in fight or flight mode 24 hours a day. Where like, I mean, not, in, not as much anymore. I don't want to seem like I'm like fucking... <laughs> Like well, I'm you're doing showing good. up to do a podcast, right. like that's not yours. So that's right. good. But you know, like the last two years after I got canceled and I was like, I'm done not making any videos ever again. I'm done. I went through, you know, not to get to, you know, whatever, but it was really bad. And then we moved, we moved to Colorado. That's where my husband's family is. And I'm really close to them. And I just wanted to get away for a bit. And also we found this house out there that was unexpected. So we moved out there and I had the best year of my whole life. Like 2020 was really bad. And 2021 was like, I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't on the internet. Um, and it was, yeah, it was the best year ever. And then, and then around the end of 2021, I started thinking like, I want to, I do want to make stuff again. And, and like you said, it's like, I'm obviously shamed of a lot of the old videos and the old sketches and stuff, but like you said, I didn't, it's not like a secret thing. I didn't hurt anyone. I mean, I guess I hurt feelings, but I didn't physically hurt anyone. I didn't rape anyone. I didn't like, I didn't do anything to where I should be in hiding. It took me a long time to get to that place to, to, to believe that, but you know, that I shouldn't be in hiding or something, but. But when we were coming out here and you're like, okay, I'm doing a podcast. Where were you like, oh fuck, I don't want them to ask me this. Oh, I mean. <sighs> or what was the shame or fear there about yeah. doing a podcast? Like, cause I know there's maybe something specific that you thought about that you didn't want to go near. I mean, it sounds whatever, but I, my biggest fear and why I say no to a lot of stuff like this, not that I'm getting asked a lot, but I say no a lot because I know the reaction is going to be possibly negative for you guys. So for me, I'm like, okay, I love you. I'm so grateful that you came on my show all those years ago. Like that was fucking insane. Like I still have people asking me about that. Like my, my brother's obsessed with you. So I wanted to say yes, but I know you're going to get shit and you're going to get comments. People are going to be like, can't believe you had him on and all this stuff. And then I'm not going to read it, but I don't want that to like fuck up your shit. And I don't want you to regret it. And mm. yeah. So it's, it's like a lot of like feeling like kind of the way I put it, is I feel like I'm cancer in a way where I'm like this thing where if people are around me now, people, they can get canceled or, 
and that's probably ended. That was more probably a couple years ago, but it does feel like that, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm this fucked up thing. And if you're near me, everybody's mad at you now. So I just kind of seclude. <clears throat> well, that's, uh, that's, that's thoughtful. And, and, uh, or, you know, we appreciate that. I think that our whole kind of vibe is, it is what it is, you know? I think um, that the, the idea of uh, there being negative comments, there's going to be negative comments no matter what you do. Um, and and I, I'm personally kind of interested in uh, just the story of, you know, what happens after all that, right. you know? Like, um, I think uh, that a lot of people in the world would take the position that cancel culture went too far and that it's, you know, enough. And, and I think that having really, really taken the brunt of it and, uh, you know, showing up to, to speak up for yourself after the fact that there's some courage in that. And, um, Anybody who wants to, you know, kick you while you're down and, and you know, pile on to a bunch of traumatic stuff, like um, maybe maybe what we're doing here is uh, an exercise in, in shining a light on that and, uh, and, and showing it to be unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, thank you for... Um, sorry, I don't... I promise I'm not, like this all the time <laughs> like, no it's okay i mean it's just honestly it's 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 better that you're not like you know right cavalier fucking you know. i know hi hey, hey guys <laughs> like i mean this is like right, what right. like you know right i mean i think i i have gotten past it like i i mean i weirdly enough so i i hadn't done therapy in a few years and i started back up again right at the beginning of covid and i told the therapist i was like you know I was trying to explain to her my job and explain to her like my issues and my triggers. Cause at that time, every day, my, my, my routine would be, I would get up, I would go on Twitter and I would pray to God that I wasn't trending for something bad because it was happening a lot, my whole career. So, you know, and if I wasn't trending, it was a good day, but then every like five hours I would have to check. And sometimes it would be there and it would be like, Oh, it's an old joke from a video. And then I would go through this whole thing where it's like, I can't explain it, but it feels like your stomach is fucking eating itself and you feel like you're dying and you fight or flight and all that shit. It's called anxiety. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I would go through that a lot and I was trying to explain it to her. And then literally like two months later, I got canceled. And I would say it was bad. Like it was, it was probably the worst cancel situation I've seen. And it was so intense and it like fucked up my family and like my friends and I, it was really bad. And, but luckily I was in therapy. So she was guiding me through the whole thing. And, um, now it's been like two and a half years and I'm so good. So I don't want you to think I'm like, is, is you know. it true that at the point when, when it really kind of took a left turn that your videos were getting like 40 million views per video? Mm-hmm. What can I say? Numbers matter. And if you can put together an audience online of any size, then you're out of your mind if you're not selling products to that audience. Like me, I sell Stevo's hot sauce for your butthole 
and I sell it pretty well. How? With ShipStation. Why? Because ShipStation takes all of the different platforms you can sell on. Amazon, Etsy, your own website, whatever it is, brings them all into one easy to use interface and gives you the best shipping rates, which are normally reserved for Fortune 500 companies. That's because into that interface, they bring all of the different shippers, United States Post Office, UPS, FedEx, and they give you the best rates. When you get an order online, boom, we just have our label print out, we put it in the box, slap on the label, and it's out the door. It saves money, it makes everything unbelievably easy, and like I said, we sell this hot sauce on Amazon. We sell it at stevo.com, and without ShipStation, we couldn't sell any of it. I'm telling you, this stuff makes us money because of ShipStation. And if you go to ShipStation.com and use the promo code Stevo, you're going to find out exactly what I'm talking about and not even pay anything for 60 days. That's a two-month free trial with all of the bells and whistles that ShipStation provides, and it's totally risk-free. So one more time, go to ShipStation.com and use the promo code Stevo and make ship happen. Yeah, dude. Now let's get back to it. Which isn't good. Like, listen, I'm so grateful for that and like, that's awesome. But I was never enjoying it. Like, and I know that sounds like I'm bullshitting, but I really wasn't. Because I would, what the videos or the amount of views or the views or like the because my, <laughs> the, the, the the annoying money that was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, you would think my CPMs on YouTube have always been fucked, fucked. So, but either way, whatever. I'm grateful for it, but but no, I wasn't enjoying it because it was always what's next. How do what do I do? What if right. the next one doesn't do well? And I would freak out about it right. and I'd be like, well, that's not good enough. And I would film all these videos and never post them because I'm just like, well, it's not going to get 40 million views. People are going to think it sucks. How do, what do I do? What do I do? And it was getting so bad to where my relationship was fucked up. I like my eating issues were fucked up. I was just in the worst headspace, but I was getting all these views. So it was the weirdest, like, you know, and then I got canceled. Thank God, because I figured my shit out <clears throat> and you know i seem to recall that you know when, when we got together for your podcast years ago that you had like a crazy upload schedule that you would put up like three videos every week yeah and i remember just thinking how do you come up with that much content you know and and i think the answer was that you would have regular creative meetings to just determine what are the videos going to be and then you just make them i wish uh. no uh that's a good idea. <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to find people in the past that I could do that with, like come up with, you know, things like that. But no, that was mostly just like back when I was doing five videos a week. That was when I was just like, okay, kind of on autopilot, like, okay, these are the things I enjoy doing. I'm just going to make videos about them. I'm going to shoot them all in a day. I'm going to, you know, lose my mind over that. That was a bad time period. For me just because I really was not enjoying it like at all like I was like okay I have to keep going because if I stop people are mad at me because they're like why aren't you posting today what happened to the video so I was just on autopilot doing it and then I got into a pretty serious relationship and I started posting less and I started like um you know when um 
like when all the the kind of world's crumbling around you and you know you're going from 40 million views on a video and then all of a sudden now you're not posting or even before that were you thinking about like just taking the the money that you had earned in your career and putting it to work for you in in other ways so that you don't have to be in the spotlight anymore yeah i mean i never had i don't have like this is such a weird thing to talk about, but I, I don't want people to think I'm, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I don't have as much money as I think people think I do because the makeup thing, people thought I made like $20 million and I did not. And um, I've never killed it on YouTube, like financially, just because my videos have been controversial. So it's not like I had enough money where I could just retire or something. So, but I did know I was like, okay, around the lap, right before I got canceled, I was really depressed. I didn't know what I was going to make next. I felt uninspired. I felt like, okay, I already did everything on YouTube I wanted to do. I want to make a movie, but nobody's giving me the money to make a movie. So I was going to fund my own movie, which would have cleaned me out. But I was like, you know, but it's going to be worth it because I'm crazy. I'm like, it's going to be worth it and blah, blah, blah. And then I got canceled and I didn't do it. Thank God that would have been the stupidest decision in the world. But, um, so yeah, uh, sorry, I forgot your question. Yeah. Well, it's just like, uh, you know, kind of, I, I've viewed it as a way of getting out of the attention whore business. Yes, yes. You know, like I, like I'm an attention whore and like for me, the ultimate dream, the ultimate goal is to, to have an out. If it's some, like, mm -hmm. uh, some business thing that I can get going. Like well, you can uh, see yourself in a situation where you're out, out of the camera's eye. Um, I mean, like I, I was, I was <laughs> like, no, never. I was, I'd, I'd like to get in front of a camera because it's my choice to okay, not right. because like, mm. you know, for me, the most upsetting, like traumatizing, depressing stuff is, uh, documentaries slash biopics about like, ho like Hollywood personalities, movie stars, entertainers who, uh, like in the final stages of their life mm -hmm. were dead broke yeah. and like doing everything they could to, to milk their, their, their former self and their former, you know, like, yeah, just like, like Mike Tyson did hangover too, just to feel his cocaine habit. Cause he didn't have any more money wow. that could be wrong, but like. He was like, dude, I, these guys were like, what the fuck is this guy doing on here? And he's like, I just had to get some money for my cocaine. I, I can't even imagine he got that much money for that. But like pe people had that come to mind. There's a, there's a movie called Stan and Ollie, and it's the story of uh, Laurel and Hardy. And here these guys were in their like 60s and 70s, like going on tour, like beating themselves up, doing all this slapstick like Judy comedy. Garland. Jude, the Judy mm -hmm. Garland, perfect example. Um, Buster Keaton, you know, Buster Keaton, the biggest legend ever, the most iconic, like old school Hollywood guy. And in his late years, he was just down and out. And like, I don't, I, I don't want to be like dead broke in the, like the later stages of my life. I don't want to be having to beat myself up like, uh, for money. I don't want to just be in that undignified situation. So I'm always trying to think about a way to get out. Do you have an end number in mind of where you can retire? You don't have to say it, but like, is there a number? I, 
I, I do not. No. Well, let's start there, and we can work backwards. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah, that's, that's what Rosie O'Donnell did. Sorry, Zayd. What, she, she had a goal? Yeah, so she she's like one of my favorite talk show hosts when I was little, and she had her talk show, and it only went for like four or five years, and she canceled it, and they were like, why are you making all this money? And she's like, I hit $100 million in my bank account, and I was like, fuck it, I'm out. Yeah. And she's been out since. I mean, she went back for a few things, but yeah, like $100 million in her mind was like the number, and I was like, damn. That is so crazy. It's so crazy to think about that much money, but also to think about like, it was only four years. She could have kept going for another 15 years and she would have a billion dollars, but she didn't care. Like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You're going to hate me for doing this, but I'm going to go oh, deep. Okay. Um, you brought up the fact that like, you didn't want to come on people's podcast because you felt like a cancer. Mm -hmm. But did you always feel like a cancer? Like, was that, that, that's not the first time that you felt coming on because I, the reason I say that is because, you know, you said you, your whole idea of like making videos would be for shock value. Right. And, and, and I would think that like to have that kind of a thought system, you kind of had like a lot of resentment in you mm -hmm. before you started making videos and you found out like that, you know, you can make videos and then you became shocking and and maybe in your head you were like, like fuck it, I, I, like fuck everybody. I feel like a cancer anyway in life, so like I'm just gonna go. Like you felt justified by going that hard. Is that some level of accuracy to it? Yeah, I mean, I think it sounds weird, but I am not like as a human, as a person, I'm not like a gross person. I'm not like a shocking person in my real life. I'm not making crazy gross jokes. I'm not, I've never been that. I've always been really quiet. So with the videos, I mean, I grew up watching, you know, scary movie and, uh, you know, Chappelle and all those things. So that was kind of how my, what I liked formed. And I love playing characters and wearing wigs and doing all these things. And I do love getting a reaction. Like I would make these videos and I would show my mom who's like really religious Christian. And my favorite part of making the videos would be watching my mom's reactions. Cause it was so like, I love when people scream cause they are laughing or they scream cause they're shocked. It's just like, Oh my God. And so I was doing that and I did it in high school. Like I would do these video projects in high school and the teachers would freak out. Cause they were like, I can't believe he did this. Like what the fuck? And that was kind of, you know, the beginning of that. So yeah, but it was weird because then in, when I'm not in these videos, I'm not that bad at all. So that was kind of weird because people thought, oh. But why go that route in your videos? Like shock value. Like, I think because I just love it. Doing things because you love them makes all the sense in the world. Like the way I am with Lux, you know? I do her because I love her. And I love using Bluetooth tablets because they just make it more fun. Now, when you think of a, of a tablet that has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, there is maybe a, a thought of like, wow, like, do I need that? And you know, the way I answer that is, is it gonna make my life more fun? And the answer is yes, it does. Blue Chew makes my relationship with my girl more fun. And if there's a chance that it could make your relations more fun, 
then why wouldn't you be open-minded to that? And if you are open-minded to that, then why wouldn't you get an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets completely for free and only pay $5 for shipping? I mean, it's pretty simple stuff to me. And if you go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo, take a couple minutes to consult with the medical provider online, get your prescription locked in, and again, that's an entire month's supply of Blue Chew tablets completely for free. All you pay is five bucks for shipping. So let's ask that question one more time. Might this make my relations more fun? And I'm telling you, the answer is yes. So go to bluechew.com and use the promo code Stevo. Yeah, dude. Let's get back to it. People were really liking the videos. And I mm. was, you know, being asked to go to YouTube things. And I had YouTube mm. friends. And, and But there were a few people that were mad and were calling it out. And I was, you know, being like, no, well, people think it's funny. And I'm not trying to be offensive. So it's fine, which is stupid. I should have listened to those people, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't like, I never wanted to be that right. Like I never wanted to be the person that's making all this horrible shit. Like that was not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Like I wanted to like all, even some of these videos that were so offensive that when you look back, they're like the most offensive ones. I, the moral of the video would be about suicide or, you know, anti-bullying or would be about eating disorders or something I dealt with. And I would wrap that into the video. So which doesn't make sense when you watch it. It's like, why is he doing all this horrible shit? But then at the end, he's trying to do something meaningful. And I don't know. I yeah. honestly don't know why I was doing that. Like, I. Do you ever have any cool stories of like people you're actually like helping people out with the mental health and them like calling and, and getting saved and all that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I because I was so open about my issues from when I started you know, doing stuff on the Internet and because I've done so many videos about suicide about um cutting or eating disorder because i've done so much of that over the years i think a lot of people did um get something out of that and i've talked to a lot of people that have and you know but yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what what why what is like cutting like uh why do people cut is it because they don't feel they feel dead inside and they want to like feel alive is that the action of the cutting because i know that's something yeah, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. I think it's kind of like, um, so I I never cut, but I was, this is kind of gross to talk about, but I was, I had a lot of things I did, but one of them was I would like pick my skin, yeah, which is stupid. You should not do that, but I kind of still do it a little bit. And I do it because I'm anxious or thinking about something or kind of, and it's just something I, I do when I'm, working through something or not dealing with something. And I think cutting for some people is kind of like, well, I don't want to think about all these things and I don't want to whatever. So I'm going to put all my pain into one place and I can only yeah. focus on the pain. I feel like it's the same with like drugs and alcohol. Yeah. You know, having to just numb what you're going through, you know, but you don't do drugs or alcohol. No, I, I used to like drinking, but now I can't. My stomach hurts every time. Really? So now I can't. I mean, my issues are like yeah, food. Yeah, 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 me too. Same. <laughs> <laughs> <Fucking>. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, and I'm not picking on it. I'm just fascinated, you know, with with different like patterns and in, in, in certain things, and I've always been interested in that. Um, I knew a pretty girl who picked her skin a lot, and when she told me that, it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why she always wears long sleeves, you know. And it's like, 
I don't know. It's just I found it fascinating. But yeah, it's all the yeah. same facet of covering up something at the root cause. Yeah, Jeff. So not to keep bringing him up, but Jeffrey, uh, he one of the first things I found out about him when I was doing that series on him was he's full body tattoos, right? Like full body, like that's his thing. And then he showed me, and he was explaining that he started getting tattoos to cover up his cut scars. And I was like, what? And then I look closer, and his entire like body is covered in scars. I was just like, whoa. Like, so, yeah, I've talked to him about it. He's kind of explained. So my, my you know, knowledge on cutting and why people do it and stuff is kind of based on what he's told me. But, um, but yeah, people, I don't know, everybody has their thing. And, you know, yeah, life sucks a lot. <laughs> but, no, it's also great. It's also great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, uh, I saw a video on my YouTube feed. The other day it said why like why you should stop worrying or something like uh, this will make you stop worrying mm. I said, okay that's interesting and i clicked on it and it said like you know hundreds of billions of years ago there was nothing and <laughs> you know like <laughs> it was just kind of putting into mm. perspective like how right. minute and you know like we're on a speck of dust and you know mm. like and uh after watching it, I really did feel a lot more calm and, and the, that it quelled my worrying. And I yeah. thought, you know what? I should just watch stuff like this all the time. Like, uh, let me get to populate my feed with videos about why, like, ain't no thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they asked if you, when you think, do you think in the future or the past? Ah, mm. uh, probably I'm more of a future trip. Future, so if, you, in the, if yeah. you think in the future, you're more anxious. If you think in the past, you're more depressed. Whoa. Oh, 100%. But the right answer is if you ask, like, somebody, like, you know, do you think in the past or the future? And you just say, I think in the present. Do you believe them? I don't believe them. Well, what do you think about? Do you think about the past? The past. Are you depressed? Yes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. I never thought about that. And That's if you think funny. in the future, you're kind of just future tripping, you're nervous, you're anxious. I'm anxious, too. I'm 100% future tripper mm. yeah Super well of course anxious. me too i mean i think mm. the right but everybody's like you know just thinking the pre presence and mindfulness but nobody does that i, I mean it's hard to you know that's why they have the rubber bands where they snap out or yeah i don't know maybe they cut because they want to live <laughs> in the present but uh <laughs> yeah it's just i mean mental health is a whole other fucking beast i read this book um uh back in 2001 it was called like the feeling good handbook by dr some fucking doctor but it was the number one book recommended to people in between therapy. And like, he would just go into these people's lives. Like this one lady would wash her hands a thousand times a day because she thought the dirt on her hands would give her kids leukemia. So she was just constantly washing her hands. Mm. And he would just, he had thousands and thousands of case studies by this, where he would read you off the transcripts in the therapy. And, and he'd be like, okay, well, why do you think that the dirt on your hands are going to give your kids leukemia? And she's like, well, because if I kill them, like, then I'll be all alone. He's like, okay, well, what happens if you're all alone? And then he just keeps breaking it down and breaking it down. And, you know, and, and then they go, well, when I was, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I was alone because my parents divorced. And he's like, okay, why was that so bad? And it's like, well, because it was my fault that my parents divorced. And he's, and so like, once he made her flip her script on like, it wasn't her fault that her parents divorced, she stopped washing her hands so much. Mm. But he had like hundreds of cases like this where he would just go through it and it's all just a stem of fucking whatever, you know? Mm. Wow. Yeah. It sucks to squander the moments that that could be wonderful with worry about things that mm. have not even happened. 
and ninety nine percent of them never do. <laughs> you know, it's so true for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in the final analysis, my life will have been squandered over worry about. You know, just gotta keep playing that video. And, and, and I know, <laughs> and, and I and I look at like our work schedule. You know, we've just been gone in Australia and New Zealand for a month and a week, and it was like a pretty miserable existence. You know, if I got honest. out there like ten days before you guys, so I right. was just fucking deep in the cut. It it, it was gnarly, and and it, you know, and I just have this default setting where it's like everything is not going to be okay. I have to work, I have to work, I have to work like to try to make it so that everything's going to be okay because it's not going to be okay. Mm. I got to I got to earn, I got to earn and like my quality of life like is not important. What's important is later trying to make it so everything's going to be okay. Mm. And I'm throwing my present quality of life out the window to try to secure okayness in the future. And I'm still convinced that everything's not going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't, and you don't even have an end number in mind that you're working towards. You're just right. digging with yeah. no fucking, how many, how many, how, how many feet do you want to go down? I don't know. You're just digging. I love Scott Randolph, but did he just ask me how much digging I want to do for retirement? <sighs> Seems silly because digging to me is something that you do to get into debt and to get into a bowl of my favorite cereal from Magic Spoon. I dig into that stuff like crazy because it's delicious, man. It's like a guilty pleasure that you're not guilty about at all. It's like when I ate cereal as a little kid, that awful sugary stuff that was terrible for me. And this stuff is every bit as delicious, but it's got like 13 to 14 grams of protein per serving, like net four to five grams of carbs per serving, which is negligible. It's got zero grams of sugar per serving. I mean, hey, if, if you're looking at me these days, you're seeing that I am fitter and thinner than I am at other times. And I attribute this to my avoiding sugar. And man, am I successful with that with Magic Spoon. Magicspoon.com slash Stevo and use the promo code Stevo to get $5 off your order. I'm telling you, I love this stuff. I eat it all the time and I'm looking and feeling better because of it. So one more time, go to magicspoon.com slash Stevo and use the promo code Stevo. You'll be glad you did. Now let's get back to it. Mm. <laughs> Nonstop. It'd probably become a little bit easier to like, you know, it's more palpable if you have a number in mind, then you're like, okay, well, let's start there. Right. Work backwards, but. But even if you hit that number, I feel like you would still well, that's the crazy Even if Benny gets a blue check mark, he's still going to be fucking. Can <laughs> <laughs> you tell him that a blue check mark isn't that big of a deal on Instagram? Oh, you want a blue check? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, isn't it not real anymore? Like, don't you? Have to <laughs> yeah, I heard. Exactly. I heard you could pay for it now. And yeah, now you can pay for which it, which is lame. Yeah. Um. The. Uh... <laughs> I just had a crazy brain fart. What would do you have any goals? I mean, what do you? What's going on? Like, what do you want to do out of life now? Or like any new perspective shift or like, is there a new Shane Dawson? Like, what do you, what, what's changed? What do you want to do with your life? What do you have any uh, purpose? Yeah. I mean, my, I mean, my real, my life life, I, uh, we're having a baby, hopefully mm. two or three. So we, uh, 
yeah, we're doing that. And I mean, she's the surrogate is being implanted in a few weeks. So that's happening, which I'm so excited about. Um, How much legal red tape is there before that? Because isn't it like a. And the prices? That, well, that okay. That's the darkest part is pressing purchase on a mother. Like it's like <laughs> what on a surrogate. Well, so that's the other thing I didn't know. So egg donors. This might be boring. Sorry, guys. Egg donors is different. So like the egg donors who is the mother, and then they they put your sperm in the egg, and then they put it in a surrogate who has no like connect. They're no the, genetic. Right. Yeah, yeah. Whose so sperm did they person. put in there? You or your husband? So we did both of our sperm. In, oh, so, so what, you guys eggs. just do a double batch, and then you just mix it together. <laughs> they cook it all up. And well, that's the other thing too, because I'm like, well, would I, I mean, I know what I look like as a girl. It's not great, but I'm like, but do I want, oh, never mind. I was going to say something really dark, but yes. So it, it is. Wow. You're showing we, progress here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking about my future kid watching this. You know what I mean? There you go. That changes everything. Like if I would have known I was going to have kids one day that would have the internet, that everything stays there forever. And then they can go and be like, daddy, what is this? I never would have done any of it. I mean, I don't regret it. I, I think everything happens for a reason, but um, so yes, we're cooking them up. Um, <laughs> what do you mean by cooking them up? <laughs> I was going, I was going in along with his mixing thing, but right. you know, like, so yeah, they, we have 12 potential children, I believe 12, six of mine, six of his, um, or do we have 24 sperm? I don't remember. Yes. Oh, so you're saying there's, there's, uh, 12 eggs Yeah. and they can keep an egg viable, Close, yeah. like in a freezer. Well, that's the other thing. So the embryos. So the number kind of keeps going down. It's like, oh, we got 30 whatever eggs. Okay, only this many survived. Okay, only this many sperms attached. So now we're left with 12, six boys, six girls, six of mine, six of his. And they're, and, they're embryos. And they're frozen. So they're like two weeks old each, which I didn't know. Two week old, like human babies? Right. Well, well yeah, yeah. yeah. And now I'm thinking like, I got to bring them all because like, what, there's just means some frozen forever that are two weeks old. Like they're alive in my head. I don't know. Maybe that's Han Solo. So what you want to have all twelve? <laughs> no, I don't at know. At the same time? No, well, no. Like fucking Octomom. <laughs> that the that's the new Shane. No, uh, that's your new yeah. show. <laughs> the reality show, man. That would yeah, explode. that's <laughs> bad track records for <laughs> yeah. for those things. Um, yeah, no. So I mean, I think we want to have three kids, but now now that we have twelve, I don't know what to do. We should start. Giving them to people? I don't know. Is that that's bad? I can't do that. Is the auction button on your website? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, so there's that. I mean, but as far as like career stuff, um, I've I just really want to make um, a horror movie. That's kind of my. I have two scripts written, and one of them kind of fell through in the last couple months. So now I'm kind of rerouting and trying to get this one made. But, but yeah, that's kind of my goal. But that's gonna. I mean. I'm more like I'm. I'm not quite satisfied yet with the the, the surrogate. Like okay. uh, that. Like, and I'm just interested. The okay. the uh, it, it's it's very common. I think that that a surrogate mother will, you know, after growing this baby inside of them, have mm -hmm. some attachment, and then, like, uh, you know, get cold feet or whatever. And say, I don't want to give up the baby. It's my baby. I wasn't aware of the baby inside them not being genetically theirs. That's right. a different wrinkle. But presumably they still have some kind of attachment mm -hmm. and there's all kinds of legal yeah. paperwork like, uh, you know, so what's the legal process like in, in uh, establishing the agreement with the surrogate 
And what's the interpersonal uh, kind of, did, do you develop a right. relationship with them before picking them? Right. Yeah, it was wild. We started like a year and a half ago. Actually, no, I think just a year ago. And um, so first we had to pick the egg donor. And we instantly, both of us knew, we didn't tell each other, but we knew the donor. And then I said it and he said it and we were like, oh my God, that's the one. So we picked her. Um, Why? What about her? I don't know. It was just like a weird, like God. My sister. Universe thing. My sister had a sperm donor. She was artificially inseminated. Mm. The, the, my niece, who's mm. uh, such a fan of yours. And um, what, what struck me about the process was that by the time you make it through all of the screening, right. they've, they've determined that there is no, like, uh, like no medical problems mm -hmm. to, to worry about. Like going through the whole family tree. Everybody in the family tree is all uh, healthy into their, like, 80s. Like, they're all, like, college educated like there's just it's just create it's almost like the olympics of being an impressive person mm. that you have to like you know by the time you become a donor like you're just kind of documented as being like just the, the picture of health and and accomplishment mm. and so that that is pretty impressive well the thing with sperm donors too because my therapist she was we were talking about it and uh she had used sperm donor in the past and she was like, you know, what's crazy is like, you know, when you're picking the sperm donor, there's like levels, like financial levels, like, okay, if you pay an extra hundred dollars, you can get a voice note from them so you can hear their voice. If you pay another hundred, they'll draw you a picture. I'm like, this is the most go fucked. It's like only wow. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm like, what the fuck is this? So it's bizarre. I mean, the whole, the whole process is extremely depressing and amazing. And it took a lot of like mental gymnastics to figure out how to not get depressed about it but after meeting both of them and really the egg donor and the surrogate yeah and getting you know um their stories and why they're doing this because that was my fear i'm like well what if they how could they have a baby and not want to keep it how is that possible right but the girl who's donating the eggs she was born through egg donors because her parents used them mm. so she had like a connection to that she's done it once before and her whole thing was she was like you know I would love to be in some kind of, you know, I'd like to be updated or be, you know, to, I don't want it to be a thing where I give my eggs and I don't know anything after that. And I was like, great, because I wanted to be able to tell Ooh, our kids. Sounds like entanglements. <laughs> sounds like strings attached. You got to deal with this person. <laughs> I wanted that, though, because I, yeah. I want to be able to tell my kids one day because, you know, listen, I'm realistic about it, too. And some people get mad when I say this. And by some people, I mean people in my family. But I'm like. I want to be honest with my kid. I know they're going to see a commercial where there's a mommy and they're going to be like, why don't I have a mommy? And they're going to have some issues with that. They're going to be sad about that. And I want to be able to explain it to them. And also, you know, when they're ready, show them a picture or, you know, I want, I don't want it to be this weird fucked up secret that fucks them up. That sounds like a egg donor is way different than sperm donor because in the case of the sperm donor, it's uh you you can find out their their whole family tree's medical history, their whole family tree's education history, like mm. everything about them. But you cannot, like legally, you cannot um, get their name, oh. or you know, like it's it's sort of a rite of passage for adopted kids to 
go and track down their biological parents. Mm. You know, like you hear about it a lot and it's like a, you know, it's a thing. But in the case of of uh, s- someone who was artificially inseminated with this donor sperm, it is zero point zero. Mm. There is no rite of passage for my niece to go and find her biological father mm. because it is like legally precluded. Mm. You definitely cannot get a picture wow. of of uh, of the person. Well, I also now that I'm thinking about it. I really hope I I don't want to offend anybody that, you know, I don't want it to seem like if you don't know who your father is or your mom. Yeah, is, I mean, hey, dude, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say it like don't, that. Don't don't like that, don't don't trip because I think that's just natural, you know, uh, human consideration. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it is. Yeah, I mean, with the surrogate too. So she's done this before, and um. I, I asked her like, how do you, cause she has kids of her own. I'm like, how do you, how do you explain this to your kid that you have other babies that they don't, you know, whatever. And so she had like a word for it, like Suro sister. So like, you know, she's very open with her daughter and, um, I just want it to be open. I don't want it to be weird or like secretive just because I, my childhood had a lot of some secretive weird shit. And, you know, I think that is in turn what made me, you know, really delve into food and fucked up a lot of things for me once again everything happens for a reason so i'm fine with it but you know i just want to i don't know i'm just trying to figure it out what's your food of choice okay let me think well i mean nachos i guess i didn't have to think anything mexican food (laughs) mexican burrito oh my god carbs yeah i'm a i'm a sugar guy Mm. i'm a carbs guy really sugar for me too. i guess i'm both i mean i like mexican food but i also like yeah i like desserts i mean that yeah, I don't know when I'll ever figure that out. Like, <laughs> it's, a tough one. it's a hard one because you have to eat. You have to, and because I, so I was like 400 pounds in high school, and then wow. I, I lost like 200 pounds in, when I was 18 through very unhealthy ways. Um, and I kept it off for a long time, but then it's like when you fuck up your metabolism that much, you kind of have to starve yourself to stay to stay thin. And that's when I started YouTube. And then, you know. So I've just gone up and down and up and down. And now I, I don't weigh myself. So I, I don't even know what I am anymore, but I thought I'd be done with this by now. Your your unhealthy ways were laxatives? No, I mean. Because I, I took a laxative when I, and I was talking to our, our buddy Bill. And I was like, dude, like, uh, uh, he, he asked me that question. And he's like, he's like, are you ever doing laxative? I was like, yeah, like, you know, once in a while when I get back from a trip or something, he's like, dude, be careful because a lot of people fucking have laxative addictions. And I'm like, that's yeah. a thing. He's like, oh my God. He's like, dude, mm-hmm. he's like, I couldn't go anywhere without fucking laxatives. He's like, I would just really? do laxatives every day because you can lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> and you can eat whatever you want and shit yeah. it out. Yeah. It's the same thing as like uh, being a uh, bleeding. Uh, binging, like purging. A, purging, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I did. That's a, did that fuck up your esophagus at all? <sighs> So I had like two situations where I, where blood came out and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, because that's the biggest fear with bulimia is that at, at any point your esophagus can explode and you'll die. Like that's, well, it, that's you also it. have a heart attack, heart attack uh, w- from throwing up. It, it makes you anemic. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then the lack of iron in your blood will lead to a heart attack. Yeah. 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 And so, like at a young ass age, you, like, you had issues with that too right from throwing up or uh, i don't know what the cause of my esophageal issues was acid reflux barfing drugs like i mean I don't know. yeah wow so hope nobody's eating <laughs> sorry to, i just probably no, i mean we all have fucking issues you yeah. just never know, you know right right we so, all look different but we have the same issues oh yeah especially like 
yeah, the, yeah, the food stuff is, yeah, I thought, I mean, I'm almost 35. I was like, how, in my head when I was little, I was like, oh, by the time I'm in my 30s, I'm going to be fine. Like, I'm not going to have any problems. And, and every year it does get a little easier because I care a little less what I look like, but it still does come down to like, you know, in my head, I'm 400 pounds. I feel even like, to be honest, so I was, I would say 50% nervous about doing this because I didn't want to be a bad guest because I didn't want to be afraid to answer stuff and be weird. My other 50% was like, oh, I feel fat, especially right now. I'm like, oh, I feel fat. So I'm going to look fat. Like, oh my God, whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's still something that's like. Dude, I go through the same shit every day. Mm -hmm. I'm fucking stoked it's cold outside. I'm wearing a fucking jacket. That's what, when he (laughs) pulled up and I I ran outside and I was sweating and and I had my jacket on and I looked in here and I'm like. Oh, it could get hot in there, and I'm wearing a jacket, but like, there's no other fucking option. Like, I'm wearing this fucking <laughs> yeah. jacket. Yeah, you know somebody has body dysmorphia when they're wearing hoodies in the summer. Summer, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, in Our Australia, uniform. I fucking did it. Mm-hmm. It was fucking 107. Yeah, and then you just have to lie to people and be like, "No, I'm I'm like weird. I'm I, like, I run I'm like cold fine like this." <laughs> they're like, "You're sweating," and I'm like, "Oh, am yeah. I? Don't really? judge me." And you I just deflect just, it. Just showered. I um, uh, I find that um. I, I'm feeling a, a great deal of compassion for you. And, uh, you. you know, like, I, I see, like, I, I can... You're I can, honest. You're vulnerable. I can feel, like, the 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 trauma of, like, everything that's happened with, uh, you know, cancel culture. And I, I kind of, like, you know, I... Like I can just maybe it's like uh, you know empathy, but I, I can feel your your pain, and it makes me uh, you know it cultivates compassion. You know, I want to like I want everything to be okay for you. Thank you. That's the nicest thing ever. <laughs> I, thought, I mean, sorry that I'm making you feel bad. No, no, no. I mean, it's not like but, yeah, like that's yeah. You're, you're gonna make me feel bad, but it's like. I don't know. Like, like Scott said, you know, here you've, uh, you know, like the, the fact of you being nervous, it, it, uh, I mean, I can see the, uh, indicators of like picking your fingers. Like you're uncomfortable talking about this shit. Clearly you're blowing out. You're like, yeah, but to to Scott's point, that's real. That's vulnerable. Yeah. To Scott's point, there's like there, you know, it's okay if you pick your feet. (laughs) I know. No, I'm like, Oh fuck. No, I always always notice things like that with people because I, I mean, I, I'm the same way too. You know, I remember, uh, at, you know, one of our, our, uh, sober functions talking to a, a sober guy and, uh, and, and just expressing to him that, um, that like, I, uh, felt really just ashamed of what, you know, what I had become, like what I turned into with drugs and alcohol. And and I was, and I was like, yeah, like it's probably not good to be so like shameful about it. And and this guy said, no, dude, like uh, regret is absolutely healthy and important and the way forward. You know, and I think that when Scott points out that that you're nervous about this, that you know that like that there's that like it takes me back to that that sober guy telling me how uh, how valuable regret is. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. like regret things that uh, then then you're never gonna learn from your mistakes unless you properly regret them. Yeah, and you don't get humbled. I mean, I think yeah. back to like how I was in high school, and people like talk about you know from like. 16 to fucking 24 like 
I don't like to think back about the person I was because, I mean, I was a fucking asshole. <laughs> Anytime Scott starts a story with one time when I was in high school, you know it, it's going to be the most outrageously entertaining story. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like, I don't even like to identify with that person anymore. Yeah. You know? But do you consider regret and shame the same thing? Mm, I, n- no. Because I'm shameful of a lot of, most of my past, but I don't regret most of it. Ooh, <laughs> other way around. Yeah. You, you, you want to yeah. constructively regret things, remember mistakes, and regret them constructively so as to not repeat the behavior. For sure. But... Shame, as I understand it, is not constructive. That's like, like you, you regret an action. Mm-hmm. You have shame about a person. You know, like you know, like shame is more. You know, I'm shameful of who I am. Okay. You know, and yeah. what I am, versus like, like separate yeah. separate the action from the person. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose it follows that you know you do something. You you regret of. it, but like, but people, I think what it, I think what al- what addiction comes down to is sh- a, a shame addiction. Like yeah. you're addicted to feeling the shame because you feel like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. you want to identify with that shame, so you keep doing shameless acts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shameful, yeah. Shameful. The, the, uh, I, I remember t- uh, talking to somebody about like this this uh, little in- inner dialogue, this this negotiation about whether or not I'm going to have a dessert after a meal. It's like I want to have it, but I know that I'm going to be ashamed of it. I know that I'm like, uh, you know, as soon as I get done eating it, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to feel ashamed about it. And somebody suggested to me that it's actually more than the pleasure of eating the dessert. The actual reward is the shame that you choose to eat the dessert because you derive some kind of perverse pleasure in the cycle of shame. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that you're you're actually like it's an exercise in totally. in in the, here's an opportunity I'm going to give myself to beat myself up because there's this perverse It's a core belief wow. of like what you believe yourself to be like well I'm a piece of shit. Yeah. And the shame matches up to that like value. Yeah, I think that's what the cutting is motivated by too. That Everything. Like, like I, I'm, I'm a bad person, and I deserve to like I deserve for bad things to happen to me, and so here I'm gonna cut myself, and that's gonna. Uh, the uh, you got. I don't know. What's going on with this RV life? Uh, turn it on. Is the blue button on? It's on. I think if you turn that, then the lights are gonna go out. Yeah. yeah. You feel good about it? You feel? I mean, like. You feel good that you've talked about all this? Oh, I thought you meant about my eating. <laughs> I was like, well, now I'm realizing the shame part. Um. <laughs> but I mean, is there anything that you like, was it as difficult? I mean, I feel like you faced some shit coming in here and like you're on the other side of it. It wasn't so bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm comfortable, you know, with, I don't think I, I yeah, because I haven't really talked about this stuff in this type of a way. I try to like make jokes about it or get out of it. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk about stuff. I think it's hard because in my real life, I've moved past it and I'm happy and things are good and like, you know, way better than before I got canceled as far as like my work life balance and everything is good. But yeah, it's weird. Like the second I start talking about it, I almost like 
right back into that place I was in, which shows that I really am not past it because I can so easily fall right back into that feeling of like, my life is over. Well, you know? they, they, they say one of the best things about like, um, and I'm not like preaching 12 step, but they, I was listening to a guy talk about, um, one of the good things about like having that at a group level is that when everybody comes into those rooms there's shame and the practice of speaking out publicly, like whatever it is that you're, and no, nobody's judging you rewires the neurons in your brain to where you're, it, it, it becomes easier and easier to talk about because when you talk about it, nobody's like saying shit and you're like, Oh, it's not that bad. And that's like one of the benefits of like speaking at a group level or even with us, like mm -hmm. it's not as bad as you think it is in your head because you're only as sick as your secrets. So yeah, yeah, there's a difference between being in a safe environment with uh, yeah, people world. that you know aren't going to be judged and then subjecting yourself to like mass criticism on like a yeah, platform well, yeah, of yeah. millions of people. So but there's certainly, you know, no no judgment here, you know. Thank you. I mean, no, I appreciate it. And I want to get better at, like, talking about stuff. I think – and I've tried to do it on my podcast, but then I always just shut down because I don't – I don't know. I don't want to – it's just really complicated. It's hard to talk about cancel stuff, cancel culture, when – like, I'm not delusional. I know why I got canceled. I – I understand it. I get it. I feel sorry about it. Um, but yeah, it was a lot. And it. I don't think any person should be put through that. Because if I didn't have Ryland, I'd be dead. Like, so I, and I, I, I want to at some point talk about it more because I feel I kind of talk about it in therapy a lot. I'm like, I want to do something for people because cancel culture isn't just on YouTube. It's everywhere. It's in people. Like I've had people that I know who have lost jobs because of a, a patient who said something that wasn't true. And then this and that it's like, it's happening everywhere. And so many people feel like it feel like this. So it's like, yeah, at some point I do want to get better at talking about it. Cause I, you know, I, I am grateful that I am okay after all of that, but it's hard to talk about that. Cause then people are like, Oh, you're trying to, you know, fucking feel bad about or be a victim and this and that. So then I just say, well, fuck it. I'm just not going to talk about it. You know? Yeah. I think the worst thing that you can do though, is just to like, um, make a joke, you know, like, uh, make a joke about it or, yeah. you know, at least because then that's just, uh, it's a, it's a, you know, deflection for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think the more that you're honest and vulnerable about it, the, it always reminds me of this, the, the word, personality comes from the the root word persona which means to wear a mask mm. and i always like the people that have the best personalities in the world just makes me think of like that they're covering up the most mm. you know so if somebody's like hey what's like they're just too on and they're too charismatic it's like mm. that person's really hurt inside right so you don't i think want to make wow. a joke about anything you've ever done because it's not funny and everybody knows it's not funny. So just be real about it. Just be like, fuck, dude. You were pretty honest and vulnerable with us. And that's a lot easier than being like, okay, so yeah. anyway. That is so fucking true because at the beginning, when I started trying to get back into making stuff again, I was really making a lot of jokes about suicide. Like 
too much border borderline. Like, why was I doing that? Um, and I, in the moment I, I try not to do this, but I watched like a video of somebody reacting to the video because it was my first one back in, you know, since I had been canceled and one of the suicide jokes came up and the person was just like, mm. and I was like, Oh, I just felt so embarrassed. I felt so stupid. Yeah. I was just like, Oh, that's, I'm so, it's like, it put me back in high school when I would be the first one to make the fat joke so that like people wouldn't, you know, I'm like in on the joke. He, he, yeah. like I get it. I have titties, like whatever. So it put me in that same space where I'm like, oh, so now that's my new thing. I'm trying not to make jokes about how I look and I'm trying not to make suicide jokes and all these things because they are real and I do use humor. But yeah, there is a certain point where it makes people feel like, oh, this is dark. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's like, a, yeah. But everybody does it. So don't beat yourself up for it. I mean, fuck, dude. Uh, you know, I probably made 20 mistakes like that today. But it's like, uh, I think being aware of it really makes a difference to where like if you do do it don't beat yourself up just like fuck right i did it and then move on right yeah that's what i would think yeah yeah did and that <laughs> I, it's like uh like everybody's depressed in here now dude <laughs> i know sorry <laughs> i really was trying to like i was i was like oh what should i talk about oh I'll try to think of something funny like yeah, yeah i'm sorry dude, all, i feel like i ruined the vibe i think uh you know, for for what it's worth, I think that Scott's points are valid. I think that, uh, you know, to show up and, and kind of face the, everything going on and, and uh, be nervous about it and, and uh, accountable for it, I think that, that that's the best you can do. And I think that, that uh, for what it's worth, that, that it went really well. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to overthink it later and be like, oh, that was, oh, I fucked that up. I fucked that up. But thank you. And here we are once again, my wonderful street team, the beautiful people who stick around to the end of the podcast. You know, there's some stuff I want to say to you. Last week, we had the episode with Bam. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have anything to apologize for. Just want to put that out there. And um, Shane Dawson, I'm glad we did that too. Don't feel apologetic about that either. And um, man, I'm still in Australia. And what a trip this has been. <laughs> There's a video that we made out here that is wildly naughty. <laughs> it's, I don't even know where we can put it. Except, of course, at steveoraw.com where it is but man it's it's been a wild trip man and i love you guys thank you for sticking around